if you can survive, if you can be a survivor, then you can take yourself to the next step because you're willing yourself, you give yourself strength that you are a person that has the ability to do that. As a victim, uh, it really takes a lot away from you and it takes away your strength. Welcome to the Million Dollar Speaker Podcast. This is R.D. Robinson, and I am the master speaker trainer, international speaker, and author of Speak Up, Get Clients, and your host today for the Million Dollar Speaker Podcast. Yes, and we are on our 71st episode. And I want to thank all of our listeners for listening and and being dedicated and true to this. And all of you are speakers, future speakers, and million dollar speakers. And that's what this podcast is all about, is how to become a million dollar speaker, how to reach millions of people, and how to make millions doing it. And I handpick my guests and all of my guests are million dollar speakers. And I have another one for you today. And boy, wait until you hear his story. And who I have today is Brett Camp, Brett Cassidy. Brett was an innovative CEO of Forever Enterprises, a national company, which he grew from a regional company to operating in over 22 states. Brent was recognized by the national media, Time, Fortune, Wall Street Journal, just to name a few of them. HBO even did a documentary that spawned the TV series, series Six Feet Under. Just when he thought he had it all, he lost it all and found himself standing at the gates of Leavenworth Prison to serve a five-year sentence. He has coined the phrase nightmare success because everything you want in life is on the other side of fear. So what key will unlock the prison of your mind and set you free? Brent is an engaging storyteller who has real life transformational story. His five rules that helped him survive prison are tools that you can use in your business. So please help me welcome Brent Cassidy. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) All right, Brent, thank you so much for coming and being here today. I am so excited that you are here. You are truly a million dollar, um, not only speaker, but a million dollar storyteller, and you have a million dollar story to tell. So first of all, the question I always like to ask all of my guests is, what do you think the characteristics of a true million dollar speaker are? Well, I think that, you know, Arby, that's a great question. And, you know, most of the time when somebody goes to hear somebody speak, they're thinking of themselves, right? Right. I mean, it's all about them. And what is this person going to do for me? And I think that uh, a speaker 
their obligation is is they're going to solve a problem. They're going to they're, they're going to they're going to have a problem that they can solve, and then they also have steps or nuggets of information that that person can take with them and say, you know what, that works for me. I can take that and I can implement that, and actually I, I can put that into my life, and it could make a difference. And if you can do that, if you can take that, and and and. I also think that a speaker has to be a great storyteller. You know, they say that that people, when they hear a story, they respond to it differently than somebody giving you bullet points. You know, when you when you are are told a story, a movie reel starts in your mind, and then you implement your, or you put yourself into that story as your mind makes that movie. And if you're a good storyteller that helps them get to where they want to be, then they'll remember it. Stories help people remember what you want them to know. And I think that's so essential. And and I think we're getting more and more away from that, you know, with all the technology and all the things, you know, you, the great speakers are unbelievable storytellers. And, and those are the ones that make an impact and make a difference with the people that are listening. I absolutely agree. Okay. So Solve a problem, million dollar speakers solve a problem, which I totally agree with you. And they're great storytellers. Now, speaking of great storytellers, you have a great story to tell. You wrote a book called Nightmare Success, and it's all about your story. So why don't you share a little bit about it that uh, with our listeners today? Well, I had, RV, as you know, as we've talked about, I, I have had a incredible story uh, and an incredible life. And the reason I wrote the book was, is that because of the experience that I've had, um, I thought, is there any way that I can use this to help people? And my life, um, you know, it began in a small town and my parents from a small town and we were a family who, there was a family business. We had it all. I mean, we had it all. And we were in Time Magazine and we HBO did a documentary and then it spawned other stuff. So we were business was it? Tell everybody it was was actually it was actually in the funeral business, which is not a business that that people think about. (laughs) And we got into it, RV, in a in a roundabout way. We uh, we found a cassette tape of my grandmother who had died in 1983. We found her cassette tape in 86. And my brother had, when he was a little boy, he, he would hit the play button and record people's conversations and without them knowing. Ah. And so my mom and my grandmother were in the kitchen and he had captured their just talking, laughing and being who they were. And he ran across this tape three years later mm. and we sat around the table as a family and said, oh, my gosh. Isn't it amazing how it's only been three years and in that amount of time, you, you start to lose the inflection in somebody's voice and the way they talk and laugh and, and talk about their stories and whatever. We start talking about, is it amazing that presidents, movie stars, when somebody dies, like Betty White did, immediately you have their whole life and it's already made. A president dies their whole life and you're expecting it. 
you're expecting to see the movie reel of everything that happened. And it's all on YouTube, right? It's all on YouTube. And at that time, this would have been uh, in the late 80s, we were talking about why don't our own grandparents, our own parents have that and, and, and those families. And we started talking about why can't we be though? Why can't we be that and, and be the movie maker for the, for the people who don't have that? And that led us into the funeral and cemetery business. And that's how we got into, um, we weren't fifth generation uh, funeral directors or I wasn't even a funeral director. And we got into that business to revolutionize the way people thought and remembered life. And, you know, there's, there's an old uh, African proverb that says when a, li- when a person dies, a library burns. And so we wanted to be a library of lives. And that's, that was our passion to get into the business. And we were passionate about it. The other part of our business that was not as uh, interesting was is that we did pre-arranged funerals that um, people would, would pick out all of their uh, funeral merchandise and who would carry the casket, what songs they would sing. And that would all be a pre-arranged so that it wouldn't fall on the wife or the kids or whatever. And they'd pre-arrange that. And we, we created a national company out of that. Nice. And it also, it, that got us into the insurance business that funded that. We grew from one state into 22 states, and, and um, that was the issue that got us into the part that became the nightmare. Um, our company, and, and my dad, who was part of that, a uh, very charismatic man and somebody that I idolized, he handled that side of the business, the insurance side, the, the uh, uh, finance side. And when it all came down, we got into a huge fight with our reinsurance company and everything went sideways. So when it all was said and done, we got into a huge government um, investigation of how you funded these things and ha- it was way above my pay grade. But uh, in the end, we fought for six years and lost, and uh, we ended up with a plea agreement that six of us were indicted, and I found myself standing at the gates of Leavenworth um, in 2014. And so my, my feeling at that time was is standing in that type of situation, having it all and losing it all, what happens when your, your worst fear becomes your reality? How do you deal with it? How do you adapt? How do you get into a, a world that you're unfamiliar with? And, and how do you survive? Right. And my, my book is about that. It's nightmare success about, and nightmare success is two words that you don't normally think goes together, right? Right. Those, but if you think about it, RV, everything you ever want is probably on the other side of fear. And if you're, if you're willing and able to grit yourself through climbing on top of it, around it, under it. You can get to where you want to be and set yourself free. And it's all about you know, the old Henry Ford quote that I love is, whether you think you can or you think you can't. You're right. You are right. Yeah. And it's all mindset. And uh, so my book's about a lot of things. You know, for some, it's a beach read for the, you know, the family that's had it all, lost it all, and they go to prison. Right. The other part of it is, is that for those who've, who've lost the, the hope 
that a second chance is possible, or they feel like they have potential and they're afraid to take the next step. Uh, you know, what gets you to take that step and what gets you to understand that you have the ability to do that? My biggest thing that I have realized, one, nothing is ever as bad as your mind makes it out to be. Mm-hmm. Even prison wasn't as bad as my mind made it out to be. Oh. You know, that is, is um, it's, a cre- it's incredible what your mind can do and then what you, you can do. The other thing, number two is, is that people, and especially in our society, because, you know, the last two years, everybody's been a victim, right? They've, they've, they've had to deal with COVID. They've been locked down and they had to do things that they didn't want to do and not be able to go where they wanted to go and wear a mask and do all these things that they wanted. Everybody's got a little bit of taste of prison because you've lost a little bit of your freedom. A little am, bit of freedom. You've lost a lot of your freedom. Let's go on. <laughs> it's so, it's so true, Harvey. Freedom, period. Yes. But, uh-huh. but but here's the deal I, I want to tell everybody. What? Is if you flip the script, go from victim to survivor. Uh-huh. Go from victim to survivor. Flip it. It gives you so much more strength to survive and, and grit and step than to be a victim and get into a cocoon that it's everybody else's problem. It's everybody else's uh, fault. Uh, you blame everybody else. If you can survive, if you can be a survivor, then you can take yourself to the next step because you're willing yourself, you give yourself strength that you are a person that has the ability to do that. As a victim, uh, it really takes a lot away from you and it takes away your strength. Okay, I have a couple of questions and we're going to get into some more detail. But how, again, as the storyteller you are, and then we're going to get in speaking, but as the storyteller, when you were standing there in the doors of Leavenworth, ready to go in, ready to leave your freedom behind. Well, you probably lost a little bit of it already. But when before the gate shut, what was going through your head? I mean, yeah, you're on the other side now. So now you've gone through it. You survived. You had techniques. But that moment of truth, what was it like for you? Honestly, what was it like? Well, I, I, um, you know, I voluntarily surrendered, which was a, it, it's such a strange thing to just voluntarily go into prison. Um, we drove up, it was my wife and my mom and my brother, and we drove up to Leavenworth prison. And I don't know if you've ever seen Shawshank Redemption, but uh, Leavenworth looks like that place. It's built in 1872 and it's just a, monstrosity of an ugly place and I remember one thing I did is I took off my coat that I liked and I knew that I didn't want them to have my coat and I and it was a it was a Kansas you know January 14th day and I was freezing and the wind was blowing and I got up there and I just had my t-shirt on and my wife was back at the parking lot and she's she's looking at me standing there and she's she gets out of the car and she runs with the coat and I said no 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 Julie I want that coat when I get out, <laughs> yeah. I'll be okay. But the thing I was thinking when I was standing at the gate was is that I've gone this far. I can go further. And I know that I've got my family. 
and I've just got to step through this. I was scared to death. I was scared to death. When when um, you step through those gates, it's a very unique feeling to lose your freedom because you hear the gate close behind you, and then you hear another gate close behind you, and now you know you're really in. And they and they walk you through the sidewalk into the bowels of the basement of this ugly building, and you can almost feel that like shedding off your skin, you you your freedom, mm. and and you realize that when you get in, you want to be told what's next and what's going to happen and where you're going to go, and that's the one thing they don't do for you. They don't tell you anything. Mm. The only thing you know now is that you are in their custody. And whatever happens, you'll find out when they tell you. And, and that's the one thing you have to learn to deal with. But the one thing that I did learn, and, and it was, you know, something that I kind of learned as I was, a, you know, I was a CEO of a business. So one of the things that helped me when I was in prison was is some of the things that helped me when I was growing a company is you really have to humble yourself mm. when you're in that situation. And when I finally got into the prison population, I really looked around and I thought, you know, who, who is here that's getting it right? Who's, who's making it work? And I, I, I sought those people out so I could figure out my strategies of what, how I was going to handle this. The other thing I did, RV, was is that the, the night that I was there, the very first night I was there, I've always been a guy that, that is, if I can write my goals down and, and create a strategy, I feel like I've, I've got more control, even if you don't have control. And that night when I was looking up at the, the big penitentiary above that was all lit up and I was down in the, the minimum uh, prison and I thought, okay, I need to, I need to write my goals down. And so I, I actually got a, a pen and paper out by the light of the bathroom that I was close to with my bunk bed. I wrote down what am I going to do? What do I need to do to make this work for me? And I wrote those down. And for the most part, I was able to accomplish those things as I, as I was in prison. But what were those goals? Don't leave us hanging. What were those four or five things that you wrote down that first night by the light of the moon, right? the light of the bathroom in your dark cell? And you were probably in minimum security. Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah. So there was probably um, other business people there as well, right? There were some. There were some. It, it, you know, it's funny how you know it's the the assumption is that there's a lot of business people in 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 minimum security, but in the most part, it's it's drug dealers. Oh, and, okay. And drug dealers is easy for the you know the federal system because it's state to state, and it comes you know usually internationally. But um, I did find. Uh, people that uh, a friend of mine that was uh, that I met there uh, was believe it or not RV. So my my bunkmate was the uh, shot caller. A shot caller leads the gang, and he was the shot caller of the Hispanic homeboys. And he we hit it off, and then he introduced me to a guy that was uh, the other part of our. Uh, where we our dorm or our, our bunk bed was, and he said, "Jim Clark, you need to help him. He's one of you." What uh, I found out, what I found out, Arby, was Jim Clark was eight years my senior, but he had gone to my high school. 
Oh my goodness. St. Louis. We both played basketball and he lived, he was Kansas city and he was a business guy and we immediately connected and he was somebody that really helped me through. The other guy that helped me through too was the, um, my bunk mate who we didn't, we probably never met on the street, but he spoke for me as somebody don't mess with Cassidy. He's a good guy. And he was an important guy in the prison. So beautiful. Uh, and you never know how you're you going to meet you had people. Some angels there to help you. So let's get back to those goals that you wrote that first night. Could you remember what they are? Sure. Tell us what they are. Yeah. My first thing was, is that I knew that I needed to figure out how to connect to the outside world. Uh, there was a whole prison system of how you could make phone calls and you could send out, it was called true links on the email and you had to put your thumb down. And you, so I needed to figure out how to do that. My second thing was, is I needed to find a good prison job okay. because I, a lot of the guys there were, they had fallen into the abyss. They were, they were just survive. They, they were just existing. And, and I wanted to have a good prison job where my mind was active and I was busy in the day so well, that I making a difference, right? Making I, a difference, doing something for some of the other people. Yeah, exactly. And I ended up getting a, the one of the best jobs on the, the campus, which was working at the food warehouse. We, this warehouse was gigantic. We fed 2,200 people a day and, mm -hmm. and I got forklift certified. I became the uh, clerk, uh, kept all the inventory and it, it kept my mind active. Um, that's, a so that was, that's a humbling experience after you were what a CEO, <laughs> CEO of your yeah. company. And now you're like in the trenches working. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was, and I, and I can drive a good forklift. Are you? <laughs> I, believe it or not, I can do, I can do a good for, and I learned how to, and I, I, because I had my driver's license, I, I ended up driving the truck down to the camp learn how to use all the mirrors and everything and the pallet jack and all that. So I, I became very efficient about what I was doing, but okay. So it was communication okay. with communication. the outside world, getting a job that kept Good me job. being mm -hmm. me being me. I didn't want to lose me. Right. As long as I could continue to be me, I could exist because right. you, you don't want to become institutionalized and, and people become institutionalized in prison and they also become institutionalized in life. When I, when I use the term institutionalized, I mean that people get so into their rut, so into their routine, even if it's a horrible routine, right? they become afraid of what's good. I was with guys that had gotten into such a bad institutionalized rut that they were afraid of freedom. They were afraid of getting out. Ooh. And I think people on the outside of the wall are also that way. People can get into a bad job. Right. They can get into a bad marriage. They can get into a bad relationship and they won't step out of it because it's familiar to them. Right. They won't right. step to the it's good. No, it's all they know. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you never want to get institutionalized. No matter what you, well, no matter what, you want to keep being you. Don't lose you. Right. My other thing was, is that I need to get into the best shape I've ever been into because I'm in prison and, and, God only knows I've got time. So I'm going to get myself as healthy as I can ever be. 
So how and did I you did. do that in prison? How did you work out and get healthy? They don't have healthy food, right? They don't have healthy food. So how did you do that? How did you do that? Well, Wait, and luckily, we'll get to number four, but how did you get in shape? Luckily, I was at the food warehouse and uh, I had a good boss up there that I liked. Um, there was a CEO, correctional officer, and uh, there was actually some workout. Uh, there were places you could do uh, pull-ups and um, you could do a little bit of a workout there. And I, I utilized that. So, um, and the other part of it was because we were in the food warehouse, we had the better food. So what I found was, is that I could get there at five 30 in the morning and have a decent breakfast because we had food up there. And we also had a fryer and some other things were probably were not very good for your fryer, but I would eat lunch there. And then I wouldn't get involved with the dinner because the prison dinner was all about uh, the lines and people butting in the lines and people running to the, it was a mess and there were fights and all kinds of things. So I just completely stayed away from that. That's when I went out and walked six miles while everybody else was fighting for the, you know, the bad food there. So, so you didn't was, have dinner you're saying you didn't. I, 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 I didn't know I was doing intermittent fasting at that time ah. when it was a, when it was a fad. I didn't know that that was really the thing, but I, that also allowed me to lose 35 pounds. So, Right. Okay. Yeah. So what is number four then? We have number one, two, and three. What's number four goal? Read as many books as you could ever read. Oh, that's good. And and that was my great escape. Um, my great escape was that my wife, who's, who's an angel, uh, the glue to our family would send me a book a week and I would read a book a week. And that became my, and, and it also helped out other guys that were in Leavenworth that I got books and I passed them on and they read the books and it, um, it was a good thing. But for me, um, reading became something that I, uh, I so enjoyed and appreciated to be able to have that escape to, mm. to do that because it was a true escape. When you start reading, your mind can take off into all kinds of worlds. Right. Okay. So I'm just going to um, read those again. So the four goals when it was only four, right? That you yeah. said. Okay. So the four goals when you came in, really, this, these are this has helped you survive and get off to a great start. But these are goals that any business owner can do every day and or when they start a new business or a start a new job. So um, get connected. You know, get connected to the people probably inside and outside. Stay connected. Humble yourself. Yeah. yeah. Get Find a out great, who's getting it right. Right. Get a great job, one that's authentic to you so you don't lose yourself. Get in shape. Get healthy. And uh, read books. You know, get get smarter. Educate yourself. I love that. Those are great uh, strategies and tips that we should all be doing every single day, even because we have more freedom to do yeah. that probably than you, you did, but you managed. Okay. So let's, so talk about what you would after that's goals going in now, what, what would you recommend or what would you tell business owners now, not having to go through that experience, but the tips and what you've learned from going in it that you didn't know as a CEO before you were in prison, but what did you come out knowing that was like, 
almost like a made it worth it. I don't want to say worth it, but you know, made it worthwhile for you yeah. in that kind so of what kind of lessons did you get out of it? It's it's a good question. I, I there there are a few, and I, okay. I let me let me share them, Ari, because please, I, I think please. and are these lessons is, in your book or is this yeah. like up? Okay, great. So you know, we already talked about humble yourself and, and figure out who's getting it right. Obviously, the goals are important because those are those are the things that keep you focused and keep you chipping away. I, for all those who watch Shawshank Redemption, there's a lot of truth in Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Andy Dufresne he chips away at a wall for 19 years. And he lets the wall out in the yard every day to, to reward himself that he's chipping through that wall. And he finally sets himself free. Those goals are so important to have your Zaywantaneo of, of whatever gets you going, whatever fuels your tank. If you don't have that, find it, because that's the thing that makes you get to the next step. That's the thing that'll make you step. So the other important thing is win the day. Win the day. Cause you, win and, and, the day. I love that. Win the day. And when I say that, unfair things happen. Okay? So move on and make a difference regardless, even if it's unfair. I wrote in my calendar every night before I went to bed. And I'm not saying I won every day. But what I did do was I said, if I've had a bad day, I let myself have that bad day but I wasn't going to have two. And so my, my most important thing every day, when I, how do I win the day today? How do I make myself feel better? And you have to figure out something somehow that's going to win the day. And I'm not saying you won't have a bad day. Let yourself have the bad day, but don't have two. Now, wait a minute. When you say bad day, does that mean like maybe you're you're having a pity party or yourself, sure. yeah. you know, feeling sorry for yourself a little bit? Okay. Okay. Go ahead and go down with it. Go Let ahead. it be, but don't stay there because it's a slippery slope. And that's, that's in prison and that's outside of prison. Don't stay there because if you stay there, it gets real dark and you slide down in the abyss and you don't want to do that. Don't look too far ahead. Mm. You know, that's uh, in prison. If you look too far ahead, it can feel claustrophobic. And so if you, if you look at what can I do today? How am I getting through today? I'm going to focus on today. Right. I'm not going to focus three years from now when I get out. I need to focus on what I'm doing today. Don't look too far ahead. Right. I am, I'm a big believer in goals. Right. But you've got to break those goals and you've got to reverse engineer them to what am I going to do today? What am I going to do today to get to and And anytime you stretch way too far out, you get too claustrophobic. And what happens? You get overwhelmed. Right. You get you get into that feeling, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't. And you know, I can't comes out of your body because it feels too big. But you can get through the day and you can conquer the day, but don't get too far ahead. Good, um, good advice. What else? Here's a big one. Okay, I'm ready. Learn from, learn from your mistakes. Your mistakes do not define you. They do not define you, but they certainly make you wiser. Mm. So. You will make mistakes. Anybody who's trying to make something happen and success is along the way has a lot of failures. Don't be too hard on yourself. Accept the failure as a learning experience that don't do it again. Right. <laughs> you know, don't make the same mistake tomorrow, but don't let it define you. Learn that that was a mistake I made. I learned from it. 
It's not defining me on moving forward. And when you move forward, that becomes more of your success. The, the don't give in, don't give up. Don't give in, don't give up. Keep being yourself regardless of the circumstances. Otherwise you will lose what makes you, you. Right. And it's such a big deal. People are always trying to, especially right now, Instagram and all these social media things are, it's the best dinner I've ever been to, the best party I've ever been to, whatever. And every people are trying to fit into that. Nobody's living that. Right. You're, and you're putting all this extra pressure. Be who you are and, and, and do what you want, but don't think you have to be something that's not real. Right, right. And because, make it up, yeah. Agreed. And, you know, and that part of that is if you, if you don't give in and you don't give up, you'll never become institutionalized because you'll always be taking a step forward. The, the being institutionalized part of things, I think, you know, that they say that is a prison term, but it's really a term that's, that's something in society. Whether you're in whatever you get into, you know, a health crisis could put you in a rut. A bad marriage could put you into a rut. A job can put you into a rut. A death. A death. A death can put you into a rut. And, and those things that happen, you have, to, you have to see up, around, and over that to say, okay, I get that this has happened to me, but I'm me. How do I, what strategies do I use to step out of it? What have I used in the past that worked? And, and those things will help you get out of that rut. Just don't stay in it. Because right. those, are, those are the things where you get stuck and you lose yourself. And that's where people get lost. Right. Well, even, even the one where you said, if you have a bad day, if you have a death in the family and you have a bad day, have that bad day. Feel it. It's okay to mourn. But then all the way down. have a better day the next day. Don't have two bad days in a row. I love that. Or yeah, don't, if you don't work out because you felt lazy, well, right. fine. Accept that, own it, but then get up and do it the next yeah. day. I love this. This is great. And RV, it's, it's one of those things where... It, you know, I don't ever want anybody to feel like it's unrealistic. Everybody has bad days. Everybody. Everybody does. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's let yourself have it and bring yeah. yourself all the way into it. Give yourself that, yeah. But give your, get your strength back up and say, I'm not going to do it twice. I'm going to get out. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to do, regardless of whatever, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to step out of this. And it's all about taking that step, you know. The, the, there's so much fear in taking steps into something that's, that's, that's the unknown. But usually that unknown leads you to where you want to be. And, and it's the unknown that will set you free. And so many people are so afraid to take that one step. And, and that leads me back to the beginning. It's never as bad as your mind makes it out to be. Mm. Never. Even prison isn't as bad as you think it's going to be. <laughs> so are there any more, any more tips that you want to share with us? Any more lessons that you want to share with us before we uh, talk about your giveaway and end our, our show today? I can say this. I, I am five years removed from my situation. 
and I've got my family. I've got three beautiful daughters. My wife is, is just, she's been with me through the whole thing and she was the glue. There's nothing more important than family and freedom. And, you know, I have more gratitude every day and I'm doing the things I like doing. I, I, you know, I've got, you know, I've, I've released this book out and I hope that this can help people. I've got a podcast that's called Nightmare Success In and Out, and it's all about talking with people who've been in prison and it's life before prison, life in prison, life out of prison. And my gratitude of having what I have now, I feel after, and it sounds really funny, RV, because after everything that's happened to me, I still feel like a lucky man. I, I still You're feel a like lucky man. <laughs> I've, I'm here and I'm doing what I like doing. And, and I'm talking to you here today. And it, it's, um, I hope that people never lose hope. I think that's the one thing that our society is, is moving away from whether it's voluntary or involuntary, the loss of hope can really kill the, your, spirit. your spirit. Yeah. Your spirit. And what I love about you and your story is that you didn't get angry. It sounds well, maybe there was periods when you had a bad day where you got angry, but I know a lot of people when they're unjustly, you know, it's unjustly caused or whatever that they're in there. I mean, you, you have every right to be angry. And some right. people get hung up on that anger and they keep trying to prove themselves, you know, innocent or whatever, instead of just being and being. And it eats all your energy. Yeah. And it eats you up inside and then yeah. nothing ever changes anyway. So right. was there ever a point where you felt a little bit angry? I mean, you, it was oh, yeah. How did you get rid of that? Um, I gave it a break. I mean, I, I because, it, you know, because my story is, is in, in, in my book, it, it, there, there's a whole story, but there's also an underlying relationship of a father and son who were as close as somebody could be. And it was somewhat of a dismemberment of a relationship as we went through the trials and turbulations that we went through. But I finally gave myself, and my brother helped me with this, that my dad could be two people. He could be somebody who loved me, and uh, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And he could also be somebody that maybe used me in a situation because he thought it could make something better. And I had to deal with those two things, but maybe he could just be both. And so I gave him a break. And uh, it, it, to me, it took the, the weight off of my shoulders to understand that people are not perfect people and, and yes, they can sir. love you and, and they can still be flawed. Now, uh, Brett, were you the only one that went to prison or did your brother or dad go also? I mean, how did yeah, that? My dad, my dad was really the, 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 the person that, that was the what they would, well, I don't know what they would call in the world of what they were doing, but that's who they wanted. And, um, and he, he drug you down with him is what happened. Well, at the time that it <laughs> happened, he, 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 he came to me and with our attorney, who was my, uh, he, he was our attorney and for the company. And he said, you know, Brent, we really think that you could go out and speak to these regulators and, and tell them what our, you know, our, our business plan is and, our, and what we're doing. And, 
I said, well, you're going to have to help me out because this is a side of the company that I don't really know that well. But uh, it was the insurance side of the company. But I was wanting to do that. I was wanting to show off for my dad. I wanted to save the day. But in the end, I also stepped into the line of fire in oh, the burning house and it. made myself the face of the company to the regulators. So that's, that's how I got, got into it. But I have to think, though, RV, you know, looking back on it, I still struggle with would I have done that again today, what I did back then? And it's a, it's a hard it's a hard question because we had 400, 500 people that worked for us in our company. And those lives and those people and their loyalties, you know, they stay in your mind. And I thought that I could go out and fix it. And there was times that I, we were very close to fixing it, but we never got there. And mm. even to today, that's the thing that I, I still deal with in my mind is, is the, the people's lives that were affected, that worked for us, that were really good people that were with us for a long time and, and did good things. And it's a shame. Well, you're out, you're free. You've got some great lessons. You've got a book because of it. You lost weight. You've got <laughs> muscles now, right? I mean, there's right, a, lot of, a lot of good things that happened because you set the mindset and you were determined to look at the good and, you know, and, and make it happen. So congratulations for doing what you needed to do and coming out better than when you went in. So what do you, I mean, I know people are wanting to know more about this book and get their hands <laughs> on it because again, it's life lessons that they yeah. can use, you know, that you learned in prison, but they can use now for any business. And a lot of businesses, wouldn't you agree that a lot of businesses people are imprisoned by, sure. right? You know, they, they created a machine and now they have to feed the machine and they're working for the business and working for the yeah. career and it's no fun anymore. So they can use these tips that you have and so valuable. So tell well, everybody how to get a, their hands on a copy of your book. Well, just to follow up, Arby, on, I, I think people do pr build up prisons in their own mind for, through their life experiences. And, and we're all you know, have unique experiences, but you know, the question is how do you get through it? And, and, and that's true in my book, you've got the prison experience and you do have business experience from the fact that we, we built a national company. So there are tips of the trade as we go through that story of how did that happen? What, what, how did that build and go? Mm -hmm. So yes, I want people to have my book. I want to give away a couple of books um, for the first couple of people that go to my website, which is two books, and it's brentcassidy.com. Whoever's the first two people to message me, I will give you and send you my book, and I hope you enjoy it. Beautiful. Go ahead and spell your name just so they get it right. I will, because we spell it wrong. Right. It's, it, <laughs> so it's brentcassidy.com, and, and the Cassidy is B-R-E-N-T, Brent. And Cassidy is C-A-S-S-I-T-Y dot com. Beautiful. And again, you're also on all social media platforms as yep. well, and they yep. can find you. So I really encourage everyone to go to Amazon. Your book's on Amazon, right? Yep. Go to yep. Amazon, buy the hard copy of the book, uh, go into Brent 
cassidy.com and try to see do it right now as soon as you hear this and get that free copy if you're one of the first two people to get it otherwise just go on uh, amazon.com nightmare success there's no other book like it out there and there's no other great um i want to say i want to say like like giver of lessons of light, you know, that you (laughs) learned from behind bars, from being in the dark. So I really appreciate you. Appreciate you, you know, being honest and coming out with your story because a lot of people could push it under the rug and never mention that they ever went to prison, whether it's a white collar crime or not. And you're bringing it out there and you're saying, this is who I am. And, and I mean, and kudos to your wife and your family. I'm sure that they are just so thrilled that you're home uh, again. And you just have a a great outlook on life for having uh, something like that, uh, experience something like that. So thank you for being you. Thank you for sharing who you are. We appreciate it. And you're going to change. And you probably already have a lot of lives with your story and your book. So thank you for being brave and courageous and sharing. Thank you so much, Arvi. I appreciate being on. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Again, go to brentcassidy.com and grab your free copy of your book. Be one of the first two to grab it. If not, go to amazon.com, get a copy of the book, reach out to Brent and you know, learn more about his story. He is a speaker. He's a million dollar speaker. So if you want to have him speak to your group, make sure that you contact him at brentcassidy.com and ask him to come and speak to your group. So that wraps it up for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you back here next week. That's all for now. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Million Dollar Speaker Podcast. Please hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review and feel free to share our channel with your friends and family. Also, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. We would love to hear from you. And remember, you are one step closer to becoming a million-dollar speaker.